Hi, I'm the collective sigh of defeat that every child actor breathes when McKenna Grace walks into the audition room. Taylor. And they have chickens? Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week we watched 2019's Annabelle Comes Home, directed by Gary Dauberman, starring McKenna Grace, Madison Isman, Katie Sarif, Michael Cimino, Patrick Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. The, oh god, I don't know what number it is in the Conjuring franchise, but it's it's one of those. It's a Warren's episode, guys. It's, <laughs> it's one Warren's of them. Episode. It's, it, of all the Conjuring movies, this is one of them. Actually, this, this is, is probably... <laughs> this is one of them. Honestly, I'm gonna, like, come out and just say my hot take right off the bat. I think this is a better Conjuring movie than The Conjuring 3. Whoa! That's my hot take. That's so spicy. That's my hot take. I don't hate The Conjuring 3, but I think this movie has the vibes better, but we'll get into that later. So, Taylor, what are your memories with this movie? My memories of this movie is that the first time I watched it, I watched it hunched over my laptop in the student union of my university, text chatting with Jemmy in another window. Yes. And the sun was streaming in from the window that I was sitting in front of. Oh, um, no. Because in the student union at my university, it was really hard to get because, you know, they had all these like little desk areas set up for, you know, students to study and stuff. And I, I kind of liked it better there than I did in the library. Um just because there, there tended to be less people. But the one thing that you could fucking guarantee is that the window seats would always be taken. So I would fuck, I would get there, I would stake out my fucking spot after my class, and I would just like hang out there until, <laughs> until the end of the day. Um, can you tell I didn't have much of a social life in college? Um, it's fine. It's okay. Neither do but I like finished my like studying and my whatever for the day and then me and Jemmy started watching this movie together and the sun has started setting and it was like streaming through the window in such a way where it was kind of hard to see the screen. Especially because this like, movie is so fucking dark. It really is. It's so dark. Like it was so hard to see anything on like my little shitty laptop. Um and so I'm, like, trying to talk to Jemmy in one window, trying to focus on what's happening in the movie in the other window. And it was really funny when I watched it this time, because there was so much of this movie that I did not retain at the time, because I couldn't make anything out in, in, the, in the light. Um, I was like, oh... I don't remember this happening. And then I realized that the reason that I probably didn't remember a lot of this movie is because I couldn't see a good chunk of it. Um... This was also Those before we started like movie. This was also before we started like voice chatting during movies. Yeah, I'm a fucking grandma, and I I I stuck to the good old days of text chatting <laughs> during movies for a while. I had to convince you to start using voice chat during movies. You did. I had to like talk you into it. I actually saw an early screening of this movie because back in the day. There was a Tumblr blog, and I don't know if this Tumblr blog is still around and if they still do this, but brokehorrorfan.tumblr.com had early advanced screening tickets for screenings in Boston for this and also for Annabelle Creation when that came out. So I did both of those. And of course, I wanted an early screening of this movie because holy shit, I was so fucking hyped for this movie. Because so the Annabelle films and I have had a tumultuous relationship. I know. So there's a reason that we haven't done any of the other Annabelle films on this podcast. <laughs> In fairness, I did enjoy Annabelle creation for what it was. The first Annabelle fucking blows, and we're never going to probably review it on this podcast because it would just be like a thing bad podcast. Episode. I've never seen it. I've never actually seen it. Don't. It's not. It's genuinely not worth your time. It doesn't even slot that well into the Conjuring universe. Like, it's just a fucking worthless movie. That's fun. Annabelle Creation is pretty good, though, so I, I, I would recommend that if you're, like, a big conjuring head like me. Maybe we'll do that one eventually. We should. It's it's good. It's, you know, it's... I'll, I'll get into my thoughts on, like, the spinoffs later on. But when I first heard the details for this movie, for the plot, I was like, oh my god, it's taking place in the Warren house. Like, there's no fucking way they're not in it. Because for a while, after The Conjuring 2... All of those spinoffs did not have the Warrens in them. 
because, and again, I will get into my thoughts on that later, because I have a diatribe. This is just going to be like Jemmy's very salty episode about the way that the, the marketing people and, like, everyone handling the not main Conjuring movies handle the franchise. And I fucking respect you for that. Yeah, it is. But... The day that it was announced that Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga had been, like, cast in this movie or were going to be in it, I was, like, on my knees thanking every deity I possibly could. Like, thank <laughs> God we are finally getting another Conjuring movie that has the Warrens in it. And so I got the advanced screening tickets. It was for me and one other person. So I took Court, who is the person that I went to go see The Conjuring 2 all those times with. And we went up to Boston, and we saw it, and we had a great time. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's all. It. I was waiting for, like, uh, like any, like, weird, interesting stories from the screening itself, but it sounds like it was a pretty bog-standard movie yep, we experience. we just showed up, they brought us into the theater, they were like, uh, oh, I can tell you that as we were walking out, there was some like guy taking opinions from the crowd on the movie, and I just just was just in such a like euphoric state that I think I just turned to him and said, "Oh my god, it was fantastic!" and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if you were in one of the trailers? What do you mean? You know how like in the Paranormal Activity movies they would do oh. like. Right, right, right. I forgot about this. <laughs> like, they would do, like, the, the trailers where it was, like, here are all the audience's reactions. I think it would be really funny if there was just a trailer for Annabelle Comes Home that just featured you in, like, a Warrens-induced, like, frenzy <laughs> being like, this movie was amazing! Ah! <laughs> and it had nothing to do with whether or not it was scary. Yeah, absolutely nothing. My opinions on the Conjuring movies have pretty much little to nothing to do with how scary they are. Like, I don't care. I just, are my parents there? Do I see yeah. them? That's exactly how I feel about these movies. Like, honestly, this one was... I, I feel like this one is has good stuff in it. I, I wouldn't say that I like it more than The Conjuring 3, though. I can't get over how spicy of a take that is. I just... I will explain myself later. I will say the fact that this movie came out in 2019 feels really fake to me. And it's, and it's almost definitely because of COVID, but, like, I cannot reconcile the idea that this movie and Cats came out in the same year. No. It, this it movie feels like so. it came out in like 2017, but I know it didn't. It can't be so. It but can't. it is. Time isn't real anymore. It's Time never been is real, not actually. Real. So, I will, uh, should, we, should we give our listeners a little synopsis of the plot for those who have not seen it? Yes. Uh, would, would, would you like to be the one to do the honors? I would love to. Determined to keep Annabelle from wreaking any more havoc, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren lock the possessed doll in the artifacts room of their house. But when the doll awakens the room's evil spirits, it soon becomes an unholy night of terror for the couple's 10-year-old daughter, her friends, and their young babysitter. I don't know why her their friends are there. Like, Yeah, they're, I, okay, <laughs> that's the, that's the, I think that, the, the, the letterbox Google description. It's and the, the synopsis on Google when I Type it in. I was I I was like looking for stuff for the letterbox section of our podcast, and I was like, her friends. What? Yeah, I. <laughs> it should be. It could be like. It should be like the couple's ten year old daughter, their young babysitter, and her friends, because none of Judy's friends are in this. No, Judy. Judy, really Judy has no friends. She's like she's she's just like me for real. She's. <laughs> <laughs> me at age 10. I had no Truly. friends except for my babysitter. <laughs> oh, God bless. Uh, all right. Well, I, I guess we should probably stop beating around the bush. I want to open this episode discussion with a little talk about the Conjuring franchise and how it handles it, particularly in the spinoffs. The floor is yours. So, okay. <laughs> the deep sigh. <laughs> This is just like a, a, a lifetime of salt that is just spilling out this of you. And I I love to see it. Honestly, I do. <laughs> so the thing about the Conjuring franchise that I think has really like just bogged down a lot of what it could be is the fact that the first Conjuring movie was not made with the 
mindset of like we are going to make a franchise out of this the conjuring the first one was in fact kind of like a surprise hit like no one really expected the conjuring to be as popular as it was or anything along those lines and as the franchise went on especially like i said in the spin-offs you can really feel that they are they're they're building a foundation for a house that's already built and like desperately trying to lay down things that will set up like a cinematic universe that were not supposed to be there in the first place or that that they are very clearly like tacking on like oh here's one of the things that I think is like the most exemplary of this is the fact that they cannot fucking decide what Annabelle is exactly. Like mm. in the first Conjuring movie, she was a possessed a, a doll possessed by a demon, a conduit for that demon. And now in Annabelle comes home, they're like, oh, she draws other spirits to her, which never comes fucking up again. And it's it's like I remember watching this with friend of the pod Meeks and that line came up where it's like, oh, she's a beacon for other spirits. And Meeks was just like, oh, that is that what she is this week? <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of what it feels like. It's it's kind of like um, whatever they need her to be in the moment. Exactly. She, she is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> she's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. It's like, and, okay. Let it out. No one who writes Conjuring movies. I really thought you were going to say no one understands me. <laughs> no one understands me. No one, no okay, one understands like, what we want out of these fucking movies. It's true, though. Because, like, okay, I do enjoy most of the spinoffs. The first Annabelle is complete fucking garbage that was clearly written, like, in a month to cash in on the success of the doll and the fucking Conjuring. And you know and what? More power to them. More power to them, I guess. Get that fucking bread. Um, <laughs> I like I like Annabelle creation. I like the nun, which is a controversial statement, but also fuck you, the nun is fun. Again, hot take, rhymes. hot take, hot Again, take, hot take, hot take. But I think the nun is a good time, and I, I love this. Movie. I've also never seen the nun. The only Conjuring movies that I've seen are the three main ones and this one. <laughs> yeah, because those are the only good ones. Anyway, no, I actually. <laughs> but the thing is. In Annabelle Creation and The Nun both, like, you just feel the absence. And one of the things that I just need everyone who works on the Conjure movies to understand is that while people enjoy these movies for the scary monsters and the ghosts and the demons, the beating heart and soul of these movies is the Warrens. Like, they have to be there. They have to be there. Because otherwise, it's just... Books and Scares sans that human element just never hit the same. Exactly. And, like, listen, I do respect... I know The Nun and Annabelle Creation both do try to bring a human element into it. And I'm pretty... They're mostly successful in this. But it's just... This could just be my own personal attachment to fictional Ed and Lorraine Warren. But... It just never fully works for me. And the absence that I feel in those movies is just not there in this movie, even though the Warrens aren't really there for that long. Like, they just come in at the beginning and at the end. But their presence in the movie is so, like, you, I don't know, you just feel it. And it's different, it's a completely different vibe. And. <sighs> I just need the people to understand that this is what they come what this is what consciously or no people are looking for in the conjuring movies. Whether or not the Warrens are physically there on screen, their presence and the fact that this movie takes place in their house are inextricable from the plot of the film. Exactly. And I think that's what elevates this. And again, I haven't seen the quote unquote bad ones or any of the other ones, but like that is why I think this movie hits differently than the than the other uh, Conjuring spinoffs do. Is because despite the fact that the Warrens aren't in it a ton, it still feels like a movie about them. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, you know, I like to see movies uh, in a franchise and, like, I, I, like, I like when episodes of TV shows do this, too, where it's like, here's uh, a side character that you may not have given much of a shit about uh, who is having their day in the limelight. And Ju Judy gets that in this movie, and the movie really endears you to, you to her. And she's just written very well, and uh, there's a lot of thought put into, because it, it could have very easily been, like, yeah, her name is Judy, but she is just any replaceable generic horror movie child. Um, mm. And th the movie is really not that at all. She she feels like this is, cons even though she's played by a different actress, uh, Miss Booked and Busy McKenna Grace, uh, she still feels like the same Judy who is in the other Conjuring movies. Right, and I think a movie featuring Judy was really long overdue at this point because Judy shows up in the other two Conjuring movies and she's kind of just there to be the Warren's kid. Yeah. Um, and it was implied a couple of times that she has some uh, measure of psychic ability like her mother does, but it was really nice to see a movie dedicated to kind of exploring that idea and like listen there's a reason that she's booked and busy like mckenna grace knocks this role out of the park she's wonderful she's, she's fun to she's watch so good she kills it she's so good we love miss booked and busy i love when i see this kid and shit she's wonderful what have i seen there was something recently that like i saw her in and i was like oh my god i didn't even know that was mckenna grace and i can't think of what it was I feel like well, yeah, because isn't she like sixteen or seventeen now? Like she's, you know, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a teenager she's a now. Teenager. She was just. <laughs> I know she was just recently in the Ghostbusters thing. Hang on, what did I see her in? I keep thinking it's she a Marvel was in thing. Ghostbusters, wasn't she? She was. I I still um, haven't seen that. I haven't either. Oh, it was malignant. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> She's booked and busy. What can I say? I will say though, she wasn't a Marvel thing. She was, um, she was in Captain Marvel. I think she might have. Oh my god, played. she was. She was baby Captain Marvel. She god, this bitch is in everything. Oh my god, yeah. Looking at her like, uh, letterbox page, it's like Captain Marvel, I Tonya, Ready Player One, Malignant, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Haunting of Hill House, of course. Annabelle comes home. Like this kid is, this kid is booked and busy. Good for her. Who I I need to know what family member of hers is like, like made some sort of crossroads deal with a demonic entity of some kind for like yeah, the fame and fortune of their like progeny because truly she's everywhere. She's a recurring character on this podcast, and we've only been going for like a little over a year now, literally, because <laughs> she's fucking everywhere. And, like, again, like, for good reason. She's great. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a really talented good child actress. actress. Very talented actress. And uh, doesn't look like her star is uh, in any danger of stopping rising anytime soon. Because she, she keeps getting booked. Good for her. <laughs> we love that for her. We do love that for her. We love, we love a success story. But this movie is not only about Judy. This movie is also about a polycule. <laughs> Literally, this movie is about a polycule. I'm sorry. This movie is also about Judy's babysitter and her and her three way relationship. One may even call it a modern day Dracula. Oh, you know what? Period. <laughs> Period. I saw some reviews being like, "Oh, more boring, like annoying teen characters." Like, oh, now The Conjuring is about annoying teenagers, but I found them very fun to watch. They're really like Yeah, Dan Danielle is kind of stupid sometimes, but like... Okay, here's the thing, though, because I remember when trailers for this movie were coming out and the marketing for this movie made it look like Daniela was just kind of like, like typical horror protagonist stupid uh, going around and touching everything in the artifact room. But I really liked that there was... Again, like we said, a human element to her being curious about the artifact room and the things in it and the Warren's job in general. Like, you get a backstory to that that has some real emotional weight. And I really appreciated that because I was going into this movie fully expecting her to just be, like, general stupid horror protagonist. But you really, I don't know, I really understood and felt for why she did what she did, even if, if it was really fucking stupid, you know? 
Yeah, and like again, like I feel like if you if you are criticizing a movie on the basis that a character does something that you you would never do in that situation, like it's like okay, come on, dude. Like, Here, okay, here's the on. thing. Like, I do that. I do that. I'm stupid and curious enough. Like, you can't. Like, you can't. I don't know. I understand. I mean, to be it. fair, you are kind of like a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> No, I wasn't gonna say you're a dumbass. I was gonna say you're you're no, like I'm a dumbass, you're 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 the Daniela of this friendship. I am the Daniela of this friendship. <laughs> if you found out there was haunted stuff, you would be like, I I gotta touch it, Taylor. I Taylor, we I have to touch it, Taylor. <laughs> Taylor, I need to put my hands on that haunted doll. I need to. You don't understand. <laughs> I this need to fucking... touch the haunted feely mealy game. <laughs> What a name. Okay. Like, I think that game is cursed even without being haunted. Like, I agree. The the concept of that is so bad. Like, if I... Like, it's just so bad. The idea of reaching your hand into, like, a fucking pit and trying to grab something, like, no, no thank you. That's like a Yeah, I hate it. (laughs) That's like, you play... If you play with that, you're inviting demons. I'm sorry. I completely agree. I do want to talk a little bit about, since we're on this subject now, of all, I think it's really funny that the other Conjuring spinoffs are very clearly, like, setting things up that are going to connect to other movies. And this movie does it the most egregiously, but it's also the one where I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to see more of that. Give me the Black Shuck Yeah, movie. like, like the, the thing movie. that is with this movie is that, like, because it takes place in the Warrens' fucking, like, evil evil room of evil like you're like okay like i'm down for like you giving me a bunch of weird shit and then next year you're gonna be like oh the ferryman spinoff you know like like give me the ferryman movie give me the black shuck movie give me the wedding dress movie they're all really cool concepts for monsters in this universe and i want to see more of them especially because one of them is a werewolf yeah i was gonna say especially the werewolf James Wan has been promising me a Conjuring werewolf movie for years, and I think it's time that he delivers. He keeps dangling it in front of you. He keeps... (laughs) I need to see Ed Warren punch a werewolf. The Conjuring 3 was, like, rumored to be about werewolves for the longest time. Like, come on, James. Come on, James. It's time. It's my turn. I remember the points at which the rumors about it being a werewolf movie and the rumors about it being a courtroom drama were, like, converging and i was like are we getting a werewolf courtroom movie that would be fucking baller i'm not gonna lie that would be better than conjuring thing that we got but it really turned out to be kind of neither a werewolf movie or a courtroom drama it was more of a courtroom drama than it was a werewolf movie but it was not really a courtroom drama at all yeah we'll we'll get to the conjuring three eventually that was actually supposed to be this episode but then i realized like oh wait i want to do annabelle comes home first because that's sort of like the next movie chronologically in the, the the saga of the Warrens. But yeah, I I want I want all of those movies. Get on it, James. Chop chop. James, we're counting on you. The Nun 2 is still happening, so the Conjuring franchise is still going. Come on, James. Chop fucking chop. Also, can I say something funny about the werewolf that I love? Please. So the thing happened again where people were complaining about the CGI and James Wan had to like take to Twitter back when he had Twitter and be like, no guys, here's a picture of the werewolf suit that we used <laughs> to film with. It's not CGI. I mean, it was, there are points where it is obviously CGI. Like there is a, a shot of its face coming out of the fog that they obviously wouldn't have been able to really achieve with practical effects. But like there was a suit. It, it's, James Wan doesn't fuck around with his practical effects. You can lay a lot of sins at James Wan's feet. Uh, promoting heterosexuality to impressionable children being one mm-hmm. of them. Um, Just disgusting. Queer baiting. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> but Was it though? <laughs> it wasn't a joke. When will Adam and Lawrence kiss? Um, <laughs> release the gay sex cut. <laughs> Please, James. We know it exists. We made it up for our D&D campaign. We made it up for our tabletop campaign, James. 
Just quick sidebar. So there was a brief, like, side plot in uh, the tabletop game that I DM'd that Jemmy and a couple of our other friends play in, where uh, we accidentally made it, like, a thing in the universe that there exists a 30-minute long sex scene <laughs> from Saw that was cut. And now... I'm convinced that it's real. And according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in somewhere in the multiverse it is. And I'm going to start dreamwalking in order to find it. Love this for you. Anyway, that was a complete non-sequitur. Are you going to use the raven method? I absolutely am. I'm going to lay in a starfish <laughs> pose. <laughs> it's a joke for three people. <laughs> I hate it here. Anyway. I also hate it here. Uh, no, but you can lay a lot of sins at James Wan's feet. And I, I would not say that some criticisms of the Conjuring movies are entirely unfounded. But you you cannot point at these fucking movies and be like, there's too much darn CGI. Because there there's CGI, but there's also a lot of really good, interesting, practical effects. Mm -hmm. And if you watch any modern horror movie and just assume that every effect is CGI, I think the problem might be you, buddy. Hmm... Scratching Might my chin, you can't see it. on but... you. You cinema like, sins ass bitches. It's almost like these people watch movies that they they go into thinking they're not going to be particularly like looking for things to complain about. It was funny going through the letterbox reviews of this movie because you could tell like between because like there were there were negative reviews, but there were basically two different types of negative reviews. People who were like, "I watched the movie and I didn't like it," which like fair. Not every movie's for everyone. You're allowed to not like things. I respect you. But then there were the people where you, like you would read their review and you could tell that they went into this movie not liking this type of movie at all, and like went into it being like another fucking Conjuring movie. This sucked shit. And it's like, but why did you? My brother in Christ, you put the movie on. My brother in Christ, no one was making you watch this movie. Like, like listen. If you watched The Conjuring 1 and you didn't like it, and then you watched The Conjuring 2 and you didn't like it, and then you watched Annabelle, both of them, and you didn't like either of them, and your job is not to review movies for a living, why are you watching more of these? This, why does this keep happening with James Wan franchise? Because this happened with Saw, too. It's like, it's, at what point do you just, like, stop? Like, listen. And I, I hate to bring up this comparison again, Taylor. This is my apology to you. But I had to watch a couple of Tarantino movies for my film classes. And I decided, as I was watching these movies, that they are not for me. Do you know what you don't see me doing? Watching Tarantino movies and then going on Letterboxd to be like, I didn't like any other Tarantino movies, but also, this movie sucks shit. Like, you're allowed to just say, this subgenre, it's not for me. You're allowed exactly. to do that, my guy. We're running into this a lot because we ran into the same thing with, with um, Marvel stuff last time. And like, again, there's criticism there, but also, I feel like if you have not liked the past fucking... 8,000 Marvel movies. Marvel movies, yeah. <laughs> you probably aren't gonna like this one very much. And, like, I, life is so short, Taylor. Life is so short. Why would you spend it watching movies that are not gonna bring you joy? Hey, you know what I don't spend a lot of my time watching? Westerns. I don't watch them. Ever. Because I don't like them. And I know I don't like them. The only Western you like is Phantom Manor. <laughs> it's true. I, I really like Phantom Manor. But I don't like like Clint Eastwood style right. westerns, and so I don't seek them out, and I don't watch them. Can you imagine if every week on Letterboxd I was like, I watched the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it fucking sucked? <laughs> like why? Like dude. Anyway, we always get on okay. this fucking this soapbox, but we it do. just but it truly just... does make me so angry. Like again, my brother in Christ, you put the movie on. Truly. Speaking of Letterboxd, I did see a lot of people saying that this was, like, a perfect sleepover movie, which I completely agree with. Oh, 100%. I was just gonna say, like, a lot of people who I've talked to about this movie have said that it feels kind of like going through a haunted house. And yeah, it does, in an extremely fun way. 
Like, this reminds good... me a lot of, like, the kind of movie that you would put on when you're, like, 13 and you're at a sleepover with your friends and you want something that's, like, ooh, spooky scary, but, like, not, like, you know, gonna, like, fuck you up for the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> but not, like, you know, hereditary or anything. And it's fun. It's a good time. It's just a fun time. Sometimes movies can just be fun, guys. Like, God, Jemmy, I love to have fun. I also love to have fun. That's why I love this movie. And you know what? Yeah, I gave I gave this movie not like fucking five stars because it doesn't need to be. It doesn't. Not every movie it's has to fun. be the Conjuring. Like, listen, not every entry <laughs> in the Conjuring franchise has to be the Conjuring Two. The Conjuring Two is an inc- incredibly high standard. Exactly. To 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 be measuring every movie in your franchise up to, and if like if most movies in the Conjuring franchise were. Like, Annabelle comes home, and then every once in a while, we got a Conjuring 2. Great. That's an ideal franchise, I feel like. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. That's exactly what I want out of a franchise like this. Unfortunately, we have the first Annabelle. (laughs) Is it really that bad? Yes. Taylor, I cannot fucking emphasize enough how (laughs) bad the first Annabelle is. It's so bad. It was clearly written in, like, a month. Because people were like, oh, man, everyone in the audience for The Conjuring really is reacting to this doll. We have to cash in on it immediately. And it was before, again, they, like, made this a franchise. So they literally, I think they just wrote this in a month and filmed it and were, were like, put it out in theaters. Because it came out the year after The Conjuring. It was That's bad. So funny. Uh-huh. It's like... And I, I, I think I'm going to stretch your imagination with this one, but, like, just imagine if Rosemary's Baby was worse and Annabelle was there. Huh. That's not the comparison that I was expecting you to make. Okay, but and it we is about- we to talk about it here because we're not going to talk about it on this podcast because we exactly. love ourselves. Exactly. Like, just- it is about, like, a couple who has their home wrecked and they move into a high-rise with this creepy-ass doll and scary shit goes down at the high-rise and they have a baby. So, anyway, like, we're, I don't want to talk more about Annabelle. It's a shitty movie. It doesn't deserve my attention. <laughs> it doesn't deserve our, our, our time. I want to talk about the Warrens' house. I, w- I want to talk about the Warrens, but you can go first. I mean, I also want to talk about the Warrens, but I want to talk about their house first because... One of my favorite things about the Conjuring franchise is that I- I'm sure this movie like is canonizing basically what the Warren house looks like, but for the longest time, the layout of this fucking house was an enigma. <laughs> it, it truly is. Because, and I haven't seen the first Conjuring in a hot minute, which is bad. I should watch it again at some point. But we have a few scenes there that are uh, that take place in the Warren house, and basically. The one constant of the Warren house is, like, that hallway where the artifact room is, and then there's a staircase, and it goes up to where, like, Judy's room is. And you can tell Mm -hmm. that I've fucking studied this fucking house for writing purposes. (laughs) Um, But other than that, it's very mercurial as to where things are. Like, the kitchen in The Conjuring 2 looks absolutely nothing like the kitchen in Annabelle Comes Home. You have this room in The Conjuring that is nowhere to be fucking found in any of the other movies. It's so <laughs> insane. It's so insane. But I think I think this movie finally, like, solidified for the franchise what the Warren house looks like. And, oh god, I love it so much. It is the most 70s-ass-looking house. They have a big They really fire. did lean into the 70s vibes of the house, and it looks amazing. I love it, it so much. It has a big stone fireplace in the living room. It has, like, art deco railings on the fucking stairs to the upstairs. It's got orange everywhere. It's amazing. So much orange. So much orange. So, so much orange. So much no house from the 70s would be complete without just a fuck ton of orange everywhere. Orange and like like just the most garish patterns you can imagine. The kitchen is so mm-hmm. like orange and yellow wallpaper. It's it's so good. It's delicious. Oh, it's I wonderful. love it so much. Oh, the other constant that is like a holdover from The Conjuring 2 is like the hallway that leads to Ed's study. And I just I just want to give a quick little shout out to the framed photo of Jesus Christ that Ed Warren has on his chest. I, every, I, 
forget that exists every time I watch this movie and every time it shows like the frame every time it shows the frame I'm like oh it's gonna be a picture of like Lorraine and Judy and it turns (laughs) Jesus in this really nice frame like to be fair to be fair my grandpa does have a framed picture of the Pope on his desk so like (laughs) Taylor out of it's not out of the realm of possibility for for the very Catholic among us oh not at all like the thing that I hate the most about it is how much it makes sense and how much I can yeah. see it. <laughs> the way that I can absolutely see that. Like, can you, like, I just need everybody, Jemmy and Close anyone your listening. Close, Close your, eyes. your eyes. Take a moment to imagine Ed Warren getting, like, a, like a photo. Like, you, he couldn't just print this out, like, off of the computer. He had to get a photo developed of Jesus. <laughs> And like, <laughs> cut it out with an exacto knife and putting it in a frame, buying a frame that was the correct size and putting it on his desk. I need us all to imagine that. I'm like crying. I can't do this. Because that's what I, happened. I hate this man so much. <laughs> they were like, hmm, how can how can we establish? That Ed Warren is Catholic. As if the franchise hasn't done that. (laughs) As if the entire franchise is not about the Warrens being just the most Catholic people alive. Like, they were like, hmm, we need some, we need some visual clues in and about the house. How about, how about framed photo of Jesus on the desk? (laughs) (laughs) They're the only, the only valid Catholics in the world, and I'm including myself in that. Sorry, I'm just imagining him putting it in the frame again, and it's really funny. <laughs> he's he's infuriating. I want you can I tell hate him so much. You can tell this is like my my one of my blurbos because I just I I love him and I hate him so much. See, that's the thing about like okay, this is a brief diatribe, but like male blurbos versus female blurbos. Oh, like, absolutely. Male blurbos infuriate you. It's <laughs> true. Nip Warbos, you see them on your screen and you're like, oh, this fucking guy is so, he's so wonderful. He makes me mad. See. And then female Warbos, you're like, oh, my beautiful queen. I there's love a you. point in this you're film. You're doing so good, sweetie. There's a point in this film where Ed almost gets hit by a truck and every time I watch it, I'm like, God, I wish that had killed him. <laughs> Get him! It's not, and like, Cemetery 3. <laughs> and like, I don't, but also... I do. You know what I mean? Hit him. Hit him. <laughs> get his ass. Make <laughs> Okay, Jemmy, you're making this joke, but also you did cry a lot when he was in the hospital in the Conjuring 3. Like I did I did shed real tears at the pill scene <laughs> in the Conjuring 3. So like I was sobbing into my brother's shoulder. And I did spend I the Conjuring 2 did like irreparable chemical damage to my brain when (laughs) he almost died so when i say that i wish it had killed him i mean it with all the affection in my heart and also i mean it in a a blorbo way i mean it in a blorbo way i love like listen again like it's not out of the realm of possibility for for someone to be like oh i wish he was dead parentheses affectionate exactly that's how i feel I hate this he man, is, but I love him. He is Blurbo from heart. your shows. He is Blurbo from my shows. Little known <laughs> fact about me, listeners, is that I, in 2016 to 2017, ran a fairly popular uh, RP blog on Tumblr for fictional Ed Warren. If anyone out there followed Demonologist with the O replaced with a C, that was me. Yeah. She was the best. Oh, thank you. I never RP'd with you on there because that was not, we, our lives had not intersected at that point, but, well, our our lives had intersected and then, like, figure-aided out and were soon about to go back in. Yeah. Never to be parted again. Never to be parted again. And now we're fucking stuck together. Now we have a podcast, so. (laughs) And now we have a podcast and I'm never letting you go. You're fucking stuck with me, dude. Um, now we have a podcast, and also we're going to Disneyland together in a month, so. Listen, once you go to Disneyland with your BFF, that's it. You're you're stuck together forever. You're forged. forged you're forged. Together. You're <laughs> forged in fire. Exactly. 
Can we just please? Can we just talk about them? I want to talk I, about them. Let's talk about them. I, I remember simply sitting, love them. I remember sitting in the theater watching the opening of this movie and just being like, "Oh my god, this is a breath of fresh air. They're back. My my, my parents are back. My parents are back. They're back and better than ever. I love that they." <laughs> I love that their car stalls in front of a cemetery and you kind of get the, like, the vibe of, like, yeah, this would happen to us. <laughs> I know that the, the look that they give, they're like, yeah, this is about right. The resigned <laughs> look, like, like, yeah, you know what? Where else would our fucking car break down? Can I just say, I for, I forget the line that Ed says when Lorraine is like, um, because I watched this last night and things go in and out of my brain, like, like air when he's like fix he's trying to fix the car and he like leans over the side and it's like just before the ghost pushes him and he i forget the line he says but he says something in the most boston accent i have ever heard patrick wilson's new england accent is something that is so special to me i think he says something with the word car in it and he says ka like he literally does the like the 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 massachusetts like the ka <laughs> It's really Later funny. On, and then he immediately gets pushed into the road by a ghost, which, like, yeah. <laughs> that ghost was me. <laughs> that ghost was you getting really mad at Patrick Wilson doing a Boston accent. I love the stupid jump scare with the horn. <laughs> Where he's like, he hits the horn and it's like, sorry, wires got crossed. It's like, yeah, it's like, in the oh, no, that's, that's what he said. He said, wires got crossed. And it's just in the most dad way. It's I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> the way that I can like I like I can't see you right now, but I, I know you put your head down. <laughs> yeah, I did. I know you did. <laughs> You're like, oh, I hate him so much. And by that I mean I love him with my whole heart. By that I mean Th that's Blorbo from my shows. Him and his stupid fucking birthday hat at the end. Oh my god, don't! <laughs> I want to kill him. <laughs> the birthday hat, I had forgotten about it. And Judy's just like, please take that off. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Kin mood ID. Yeah, thank you. Yep, yeah. That's how we all feel, Judy. I love the idea that Ed gets lost easily. I feel like this man would be at constant war with his GPS. <laughs> Do you remember that time that you and I were on a voice call and we just were going back and forth and saying like <laughs> dad things that we think that Ed Warren has done or would do. And like, I just kept saying stuff and you were screaming at me. You were like, stop it. I can't take anymore. Here, the thing is, like, I remember that that happened, but I don't remember, like, anything that you said, because I was just in a fucking, like, anger-induced fugue state. <laughs> you were so mad! I kept saying stuff like, I was like, oh, I bet when he sits down in his chair, capital H, capital C, his <laughs> chair, he heaves the heaviest dad sigh, and you were like, please stop, I can't take it anymore! The worst one you said was when, like... You said that he would call his reading glasses his cheaters. His cheaters! I almost, I almost threw my fucking microphone across the room. I was so and mad. And then in The Conjuring 3, at one point he fucking pulls out a pair of reading glasses and I texted you when I was watching it. I was like, cheaters are canon! <laughs> cheaters are fucking canon! Unfortunately, they are canon. Oh, God. This 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 has been the Ed Warren Blurbo Power Hour, everybody. Thank you for coming to our mini segment of <laughs> yes. the podcast. A podcast yes. within a podcast. It's like Munch Squad, but worse. I mean, we had one of these with Wanda last time, so like it's fine. <laughs> Blurbo we're just, hours. We're just we're just like going through my list of Blurbos, talking about them and what we feel for them. Can we talk about yeah. Lorraine for a minute? Because I have to say. Every time I watch this movie, that scene with her and Daniela at the very end makes me cry. It breaks me. It fucking breaks me. Like, it makes me cry. Like, listen, movies don't make me cry very easily, but all every time I've watched this movie, I've gotten a little misty. <laughs> Watching the scene where Lorraine is, like, talking to her dad and relaying the message, and it's like, ah, my little it's heart. It's such, like, a simple thing, but it's so wonderful to see. And, it's like, also, ugh, It's also a her. thing... 
it's also a thing that I feel like could have very easily crossed the line into being too cheesy. Mm-hmm. But Vera Vera Farmiga is such a good actress, and the energy that she brings to Lorraine is just so wonderful. I want she's I able want... to make anything sound natural and not overly corny, but still heartwarming. I just want Lorraine to talk to me like that. I want an encouraging uh, face touch from yeah. Lorraine Warren. <laughs> I want her to like smooth my hair back and tell me it's going to be okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> solve all my problems. After all of the nonsense that's been going on in the world for the last couple of years, I think we all deserve a gentle touch on our hair from Lorraine Warren and like just a soft like it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I think that would just solve all my problems. It would make everything better for me as a person and where I am today. I would be able to accomplish so much more. It's true. She would Vera Farmiga, for I'm willing to pay. <laughs> please, please, ma'am. I'm willing to pay human dollars for this. I have to say, hearing, hearing, although, I, yeah, hearing her on the phone being like, give her your soul is very funny. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> also, while we're on the subject of Lorraine, I love the inclusion of her collection of bells. Because oh my every- god, I know! It's such mom shit! Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, that is such mom energy. Like, I feel like so many moms just have, like, a collection of things, you know? Like, my mom has an angel collection that we put out at Christmas every year. Aww. Lorraine has her bells. Like, I just feel like this is such a mom thing to have. Lorraine's got her fucking bells, man. Good for her. Good for her. My friend's grandma has a collection of nutcrackers. I think about that a lot. It's mom energy. Yeah, it's the best. It's great. We love to see it. It's just a nice little character thing. <laughs> Much like Ed's picture of Jesus. Much like Ed's picture of Jesus. It's so important for us to know these things about these characters, you know? God damn it. <laughs> I want him dead. I want him dead so bad. I'm ro- I'm rooting for no. I'm not even gonna. No, I'm not. Speak don't say existence. that. Don't. A- okay. Don't actually say that because I'm not. And if he died, I would. It would kill me. Don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Sorry. I want him dead affectionately, not <laughs> toy, toy toy. It's not happening. I won't let it happen. Um, I want to say uh one of the things that I because I watched uh, some of the deleted scenes for this movie. Oh really? Anything a good? while ago? Yes, there was a whole plot point that was caught that w- would have been really really good. And it was about Mary Ellen. There Hmm. was supposed to be a sort of subplot wherein she had had a near-death experience because of her asthma. Like, she had been, I guess, clinically dead for a little while and didn't see anything on the other side. And I feel like having that present in the story would have added so much to her, especially her, her interactions with the ferryman. And the fact mm. that, like, the girl he killed looks like her. I just feel like this is something... I, I, I understand why it was cut, but also I wish it hadn't been. Was it, like... I mean, was it, like, just, like, one scene where she brought it up? Like, what was the, what was the I mean, context? She, she told Judy... And I can't remember, because I watched it a long time ago. It was, like... Or, like, a, whenever I watched this movie last before I watched it for this podcast, I put on the deleted scenes, because I do own it, and I have that. And I had never seen them before. So I can't, I probably should have rewatched it before we did this podcast because I was going to bring it up, but she told Judy that, no, she told Daniela that, I think, at some point. And it was just sort of, I guess, something that was going to be hanging over the characters in terms, in, in for the rest of the movie. I don't know. I just think it was an interesting sort of uh, play, especially since Mary Ellen, I feel like, doesn't get too too much to work with with this movie um other than like her stuff with bob so i feel like this is definitely like this is definitely daniela is the one out of the two of them with more of like an arc for her character she's she's dealing with her dad's death and stuff yeah i think it would have given mary ellen something kind of interesting to play with in terms of encountering these ghosts and the ferryman especially because it's kind of established 
tenuously because it's a quick it's almost like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing where Danielle is like hey this girl that the ferryman took like looks like you and the idea of Mary Ellen having to confront her own dead body to get Annabelle out of that creepy little corridor thing with the added context that she has been dead would have been interesting yeah I'm definitely now like kind of wishing for a version of the movie where that was like a more prominent aspect of her character because I like Mary Ellen but like you said she doesn't have a lot to work with she's kind of a flat character which is fine she doesn't need to be but it just it would have added a little something yeah but unfortunately that did get cut F's in chat F's in chat but it was it was interesting to watch this movie sort of knowing that that was a thing that got cut because, like, like I said, this is the first time I'd watched it since I'd seen that deleted scene and figured things out about that. So that is interesting. Anything else from the deleted scenes that you thought was? I can't remember. I have like a, it's been a while, so I can't really remember. <laughs> I think it might have just been more scares, Sp- spooks and scares, spooks and scares, baby. This movie has, I think the the atmosphere in this movie i would say and like the the scares i mean let's talk about 50 53 minutes into the uh horror podcast episode let's talk about the scares um we had more important <laughs> things to discuss like ed warren's cheaters truly um <laughs> uh but I would say that the the level of uh, atmosphere and the scares in this movie were about on par with anything else of the franchise that i've seen Oh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I don't think that um, this movie was at all weaker in that department. I think that it really delivered on the level of scares. And especially with the with the idea of using the house as this vehicle for scares. And the, the duality of the house as being both Judy's home and a comforting, warm place uh, with her family that she loves, and also a place where there's a bunch of evil shit in the house, and it can it can turn on a dime so easily. And one one room in any given scene could be warm, comforting home of the Warrens, but also very quickly turn into spooks and scares. Yeah, absolutely. I think the movie handles that duality of the house really well, and it, it never feels confused or like the movie doesn't know what to do with the house or how to handle that double-sided nature i think the movie carries it really really well that's just something small that i thought could have easily been fucked up and wasn't and i Mm -hmm. i I noticed it this time around and i didn't really notice it the first time around because i couldn't see shit um (laughs) but i thought it was very very good and i enjoyed that that duality a lot where it's like um it feels a lot to me like when you're a kid and it's like your bedroom during the day versus at night. You know what I yes, mean? Absolutely. Um, where like your room that is like during the day, this warm, wonderful, comforting place. And then the second it gets dark out, you're seeing things in the corners. I mean, if you're a scaredy cat kid, like I was, you were, um, <laughs> you know, like shadows on the walls and creaking, like your house can very easily become a very scary place. And this movie, I think, is is very good at knowing from a kid's perspective what that feels like to have the house be a good and a bad place at the same time. Yeah, to that end, I think also one of the things that was really well handled in this movie is sort of this, the build of the haunting, as it were, and the action. I think, while it's not a slow burn per se, I think it very, it, it takes its time to a certain extent. And it lets us get to know the characters. Again, this is a thing that all the Conjuring movies do so well. They take that time to let us get to know the characters, to care about <laughs> them, to not want to see them in danger. And then it unleashes hell. Yeah. And Because, like, I you think- you give a shit about these people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very Or at least endearing. I do. They are. And, and they're, they're all played very well. The actors all do a very good job at making them feel like real people and not caricatures or cutouts. Mm-hmm. And even at points where the writing gets a little iffy, the actors pick up the slack and because of that, it feels very even-handed throughout the film. Or at least that's how I feel about it. I know you're thinking about Bob's gut balls. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> 
I had to hear my father, Ed Warren, say the phrase balls, and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to think about that. He doesn't, he, he wouldn't. My, my father would never. He, he would never. He raised too me. Good. He would never. He's too good a man for that. <laughs> he has a picture of Jesus on his desk. He would never say balls. I was literally thinking about that scene, too. It's so funny that you said that. You knew exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> This is this is our our, our connection, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're my tethered. It's true. <sighs> I do have one more thing to say. Please, please, please go for it. Fucking sick ass Constance Hatchaway can we all? Oh my I god! Said- shut up! <laughs> <laughs> she was there. Shut up! She was there. I saw her. That that was my wife. <laughs> that was my wife. My horrible wife who was so mean to me. My horrible wife. She's awful. And I love her so much. Oh, there she was. She was there. There she was. There she I saw was. Her. I saw her today. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I love <laughs> just, the Warrens. just wanted to bring up, one of my wife's was there. Oh, we never gave this disclaimer at the beginning, but we give it every Conjuring movie. We know the Warrens suck. Yeah. Just in case you made it through this entire podcast thinking that for some reason we supported the actions of the real people upon whom our fictional mother and father were based. Uh, We don't. They're pieces of shit and uh, we don't like them. They suck. They suck. But we do love the fictional ones. We do. They're wonderful. They're our parents and they raised us. And Miss Annabelle is a gaslighting gatekeeping girl boss. Truly though. Truly. And part of me, listen, I love the Warrens. And I, I love the triumph of them defeating her, you know? Uh-huh. But there is a part of me that's like, she was just girl bossing. You want to see a girl boss winning. I just, you know, there's always going to be a part of me that wants to see a girl boss winning. I like that we got through an hour of this podcast about an Annabelle movie and did not an- mention Annabelle once. <laughs> because she's okay. There's not a lot of Annabelle in this Annabelle movie. Not a lot of Annabelle in the Annabelle movie, though. <laughs> she's she's creepy as shit. I do like her. You know, I feel like Annabelle is really the definitive horror icon of the 2010s in the same way that, like, Freddy Krueger is, like, very, uh, very the 80s, you know? Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that in in decades in the future, when people are making documentaries about um, horror history, uh, they're going to talk about the 2010s and the paranormal boom. And there's going to be a lot of talk about how Annabelle, like, you know, changed the face of horror and how she became such an icon and possibly some talk about how people were shipping her with the boy or whatever, you know. (sighs) Why would you say that? Why would you bring this into our good Christian home? Annabelle and I have had a tumultuous relationship. As I said, I was very against Annabelle creation when it was coming out, but it was mostly just because I, A, I was salty that there was going to be a Conjuring movie that didn't have the Warrens in it, and B, uh, I knew the first Annabelle was bad. But uh, it pleasantly surprised me, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point on this podcast. Did this movie redeem your relationship with Annabelle? Do you feel like you've been you've gone to couples counseling? Yeah, we have. We, we have. <laughs> we've, we've reconciled. <laughs> We were on the brink of a divorce, but we worked things out. Exactly. I'm really happy for you guys. I'm so glad we have another movie of people treating Annabelle like she looks like a normal-ass doll. Yeah, it's so funny every time. It, I, I think they have to be aware. Like, oh, they, have, like they to. have to know how goofy it is for these characters to be like, because, especially because it's so egregious because in real life, Annabelle is literally just a Raggedy Ann doll, which is like, I don't know. Maybe I just really, I have, like, a weird autistic obsession with Raggedy Ann and Andy. But I look at a Raggedy Ann doll and I'm like, that's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. Friend. Raggedy Ann dolls are not scary. They're fr- they, they are. They're friend-shaped. Annabelle looks like a villain in a horror movie. <laughs> I think it's really funny because the, the movie opens with a recreation of part of the opening of The Conjuring. First of all, we still don't know who that fucking guy is. Secondly, yeah, we, we get zero clarification on who that motherfucker is. Secondly, 
It's so funny to have seen the evolution of Annabelle in The Conjuring and Annabelle and Annabelle comes home because she looks even more, like, scary and fucked up now. They're like, we thought she was a normal doll. And it's like, but did you, though? Did you? Why? Why did you look at that that? thing? (laughs) And then there's that scene later on where, like, Mary Ellen pulls the, the blankets back from Annabelle, who is, like, who has, like, appeared in Judy's bed, and she just, like, kind of treats it like oh judy has a doll in bed with her and tucks it back in it's like if i saw that in a bed with a child i'd be like give me that absolutely not <laughs> we are putting it directly into the garbage we're, we're we're locking her back in her little shame cube she's back in gay baby jail i think it's very funny that daniella was like tapping on <laughs> glass like it's yeah a like it was a fish tank <laughs> That's what I would do. I just keep tap. I just fucking annoy her. Nothing you can do to, to me out here. You're like, do you remember when when in real life the Annabelle doll like got out? Oh my god! And that was like a whole thing. I think she's yeah. back in there now. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't they, keep up with that, but they, they 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 took care of the fucking containment breach in the Warren Museum. That's. I feel like someone needs to make a Conjuring spinoff about that, but it takes place in like 2019 or whenever that happened. Please. And it's like, it's just a bunch of people who are like, now the caretakers of the Warren Museum who like have to now fight Annabelle. I'll write it. I'll do it. Do it. Do I don't it. know. We could, we, could, we could bring the Hets back as ghosts. That would be kind of fun. That would be kind of fun. I like the idea of them like vibing in the afterlife together. <laughs> good, good for them. They deserve it. They do. They could, they, they could help our, our protagonist from beyond the grave. But, like, it's so funny that that happened in real life. Like, they were like... It is. <laughs> I just remember seeing that on Twitter one day. They were like, well, the Annabelle doll got out. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it happened in 2020 because people were like, yeah, this would happen in this year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah all right, this, this year has been bad enough. And the Annabelle doll just got out of her fucking gay baby this jail. absolutely checks. Yep. You want to read some Letterboxd reviews? Taylor, I would love to read some Letterboxd reviews. Alright. A lot of these fall under the the rule that I have of if the review is funny, I will forgive you for disliking a movie that I like. Because as we've mentioned, this movie is... I I, I wouldn't say it's controversial because I think that would be giving it more credit. I think most people just were kind of like, nah, I don't I didn't like it. Um, but Gab says... Didn't they already give this doll an exorcism like three times already? What a legend. (laughs) Jesus works hard, but she works harder. Three and a half stars. Gaslight. Gatekeep. Girl boss. In a similar vein, Ty says, why can't they just let the queen sit on her throne in peace? Two and a half stars. Truly. Truly. Just let her girl boss. Let her gaslight. Let her gatekeep. Let her girl boss. Ava says, number one. Okay, my, my Avengers Endgame for real this time. Number two, Feely Mealy, best character 2019. Four and a half stars. Feely Mealy, worst character. I don't want that fucking... Of all the things in the Lauren, Muse- Lauren Museum, I want that thing in my house the least. <laughs> Including the dangerous ones? Including the dangerous ones. I don't want that fucking thing in my house. Carrie says, the Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed of the Conjuring Cinematic Universe. Three and a half stars. And it bangs for that. Yeah, I completely agree. It is the Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed of the Conjuring Universe. Uh, Ian says, a fog machine directed this. Two and a half stars. (laughs) Yeah, King. It sure did. (laughs) I'm just imagining like a fog machine behind the camera. (laughs) And finally, uh, Cherry says, the foggy cemetery where they broke down looks like where I lost my virginity. Heart, two and a half stars. God, I wish that were me. Sorry to put you on blast, Sherry, but you did put this on Letterboxd, so I support you, and I think that Mary Shelley would be proud. Yeah, we're not bl- we're not putting you on blast. We're commending you for this. That's cool as fuck, and if, any- if you lost your virginity in a cemetery, you're like the coolest person there is. Truly. All right, Taylor, star ratings for this movie? I'm going to give this the same thing I gave it on Letterboxd, which is three and a half stars. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie. It's not one that I would necessarily reach for, but if someone else is like, let's watch Annabelle Comes Home, I'll be like, hell yeah, that sounds like a good time. I think I want to do the same. I give it four stars on Letterboxd, and I haven't logged it yet for reasons, mostly because I am fucking watching Morbius tonight, and I want the (sighs) unhinged... 
I want the unhinged feral energy of my letterbox, even just briefly looking like Morbius and then three show it three like watches of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like I just need that in my life. That's so deeply evil and unhinged. And I think the letterbox gods would forgive you for for that level of chaos, in service of that level of chaos, rather. Exactly. Um anyway, yeah, three and a half. Good flick. If you like if you like if you like The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, you will probably also like this movie. Yeah, it's definitely worth seeking out if you enjoyed the other Conjuring movies. Next time, we will be watching a movie so near and dear to my heart. No, 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 no. Jemmy, Jemmy, Jemmy. A film. A film. And it is a film. So close to my heart. Near and dear. One of my very favorites. We will be watching Blumhouse's cinematic masterpiece, Truth or Dare. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. gonna be so insane this episode will be monumental listeners you will not want to miss out we may die we may die but we will die having experienced the greatest cinematic triumph of our what's the name of the what's the name of the demon in that movie is it calyx 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 (laughs) calyx fucking got us if you don't hear from us uh, in about three weeks, if you if we both just suddenly hop off the grid, uh, it's because Calyx got us. Listeners, if you're at all interested in the little project that Taylor and I have going, in which we chronicle the cuck horror cinematic universe, you're in for a treat. Truth or dare started it all. Until then, and if you don't want to miss out on this event, you can follow us at FGFPod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And we would really appreciate it if you gave us those five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you do on your podcast platform of choice to let us know that you enjoyed our little show today. And we will see you in two weeks for Blumhouse's cinematic masterpiece, Truth or Dare. Bye, guys. Bye.